This is episode 181 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Radio Communication Methods During Emergencies Part 1 and Get Your Car Emergency Kit Ready for the Winter. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, uh, before we get started, I wanted to share that we had two reviews on iTunes uh, that came through today. Man, i just really blown away. Uh, they're, they're, they're short ones, but I really appreciate them greatly. Uh, the first one is from TW556. Uh, it's a top-notch podcast, five-star review. Todd sifts through the shaft to find the wheat for us. Thank you, Todd. And so uh, thank you, TW, for that one. And then uh, uh, the the next one is uh, Gas Holler. Uh, says uh, it's a five-star review as well. Great podcast. Very informative. I look forward to each new podcast. Thanks. And it's very exciting to get those two reviews, uh, you know, especially on the same day. So I really appreciate that, and it's a great blessing for me. And then it's also, uh, it helps others who are coming to the podcast and uh, checking it out. They see those reviews, and uh, they read the reviews. Uh, I do that as well when I'm looking at different podcasts. I uh, read the reviews and see what people are saying, and then you know go check it out as well. So, uh, again, really do appreciate that. Hey, today, um, well, you know, and I for those of you who are new to the podcast, I know there's a lot of you who are new. Um, I, I do the podcast, so the Wednesday podcast, I do that on Tuesday night. And uh, so on Tuesday uh, in, the, in the afternoon, there was uh, a terrorist event that happened in Manhattan, in New York. Um, so, so some idiot got into a truck and uh, ran over a bunch of pedestrians and people on bikes and things like that. And I believe they even shot some people. Uh, at this point right now, 8 are killed and 12 are injured. Um, they're for sure saying that it's a terrorist attack because uh, it was reported that he was yelling Alu Akbar. And then uh, there is also, uh, it was reported, uh, I saw this on Twitter, that uh, there was a note that uh, the driver was pledging allegiance to ISIS. So uh, the, uh, the driver didn't kill himself or anything like that. He, he actually was caught. Uh, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they can start tracking down, you know, where, uh, you know, all his contacts and things like that. But the fact is, is that we are living in very dangerous times when this kind of stuff is happening. You know, we've seen this stuff happen over in Europe. We've seen it happen over in England. Um, there's crazy things that are going on, and it's, you know, it's happening here. Uh, some people might say terrorism has come to America. Um, other people would start saying that, uh, or w- would be saying that terrorism has been here in America for a while. And so I don't know what it's going to take to get people to, uh, to wake up. But, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we always talk about is being situationally aware and paying attention to what's going on. And, uh, you know, that's happening, you know, every single day now. You, you venture out of your home, you need to be situationally aware of what's going on, uh, even when it's riding your bike on a bike trail. And supposedly this guy veered off into a bike trail uh, that you know was specific for bikes, so uh, he was you know definitely aiming to do this. So guys, be careful out there. Uh, again, make sure that you are aware of what is happening and what's going on uh, all around you at all times. 
Hey, speaking of like current events and things that are going on, uh, I've just released, uh, so Tuesday evening, uh, did release the weekly Watchmen for the, for the week or for the weekend. And the weekly Watchmen are, it's, uh, just my compilation of videos, uh, that I listen to on, uh, from YouTube. And actually I bring them into my podcast catcher and, uh, listen to them. And so like John Haller, Amir Sarfati, JD Farag, uh, Jason A, um, and sometimes when Jacob Prash has uh, has done a, a prophecy update, uh, I'll do it there. But uh, the prophecy updates is not just a lot of Bible and, and and you know verses and things like that. It's they're bringing in current events, and uh, John Haller does a does a real good job of that. And a lot of the times, there's things that you know if you are just uh, just listening to. Uh, the mainstream media. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get the full picture of what's going on. And a lot of the times, even the alternative news, you got to sift through a whole bunch of stuff. And I mean, I have a uh, a page just dedicated to alternative news on Prepper website. Uh, you can go to it, link to it on the top right hand corner. But even at that, I mean, you're having to sift through it, and and uh, you know, not everybody sees things the same. And uh, so I like John's uh, take on things out there. He does a lot of uh, reading, he, he people now that he's he's kind of become very popular. So people send him articles all the time now. So he's got people you know curating for him and sending him things that might be of interest. So he's able to uh, to even get more stuff out there. But he talks about current events and uh, maybe how they possibly relate to Bible prophecy. Um, he's not out there giving you dates and things like that. And these none of these guys are doing that. They're fairly uh, level, uh, you know, level-headed uh, about the things that they do. Uh, I don't like to really listen to people that are extreme, and um, and so I like the information that they give. They 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 don't all come from the same uh, background, so they they might look at things just a little bit differently. But it's very interesting things. So if you're looking for uh, current events type things, uh, and maybe things that you're not seeing in the mainstream media, or maybe even alternative news. Go check that out. I'm going to link to it in the in the show notes uh, over at Ed That Matters. It's called the Weekly Watchman. And uh, if you don't, you know, you don't, you might not hit all four of the videos, but at least hit John Haller's. Uh, go check out his if you're looking for the current events aspect of that. Uh, very very interesting stuff over there. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our first article of the podcast. Um, this one's coming to us from SurvivalBlog.com, and I'm going to tell you. Uh, it says part one. There's five parts to this one. I'm not going to read all five parts, uh, but it's good information. And when we talk about communication, um, a lot of the times we don't really think, I mean, you know, you, you don't think about that too, too uh, often. You, you think about, you know, the food, the water, the things that you need to survive. But at some point, you're going to want to know what's going on beyond your uh, ability to, to know. You know, if you're in a neighborhood, okay, you might be able to to get some information from your neighbors. Um, but besides that, I mean, if you were, you know, really bugging out, if you were in a situation where it was just you and your family, you would want to know what's going on. You'd want to have some kind of contact with the outside world as much as possible. And that's why radio communication is very, very important. Another thing to think about is, you know, if you were like in a community of people and maybe your neighborhood was all kind of banding together and it'd be very easy for rumors to start and you would make you would want to make sure that you had good information uh, if that was possible and people were communicating out there. And there's uh, there's a host of people that are uh, big networks of people that are out there that are communicating through ham radio and other means 
Um, you know, one of the guys at my church is a big ham radio operator, and he's in contact with a bunch of other hams, and uh, you know, they share information uh, all the time. And they're actually, you know, they're they're actually taxed to when uh, if there was a big event to be able to be one of those that would be up and running and sharing information and through this big network uh, uh, of uh, hams that would be on the radio. And so uh, I think this is very important. So those of you who uh, have been prepping for a while, you understand this. Those of you maybe who are who are newer, uh, maybe some ideas here for you. Uh, but I think uh, this uh, the, the person who's writing this is writing it for kind of like a basic knowledge level. And so I think it's it, it's important to get some ideas and understanding of why uh, radio communication works in some uh, instances and maybe not in others. So I think this would be a good. Uh, a good article to uh, to help to help you to understand some of these aspects of it. So let's go ahead and start reading this one. Communications overview and general guidelines about this article. A modern two-way radio combines combines transmit and receive components together and is known as a transceiver. In this article, I will use the terms radio and transceiver interchangeably. I'm also trying to write this to the largest audience possible, and for that reason. I may sacrifice technical accuracy in order to express the concept. Not all emergencies will require advanced communications equipment. Common usage technologies such as email, voicemail, and SMS texting should not be ignored. The more options you are able to take advantage of, the better your chances of establishing communications. Radio communications are where to start. When it comes to radios, different frequencies propagate differently and have different send and receive requirements. Some frequencies are great for your neighborhood, but will rarely be usable over three miles. Others can talk across your neighborhood and international, but may have gaps in communicating throughout your state. Each frequency has a ground wave or line of sight aspect where it spreads out horizontally and a sky wave aspect where it can bounce off of the troposphere or ionosphere depending on conditions. These sky wave conditions are impacted by the sun cycle, time of day, temperature, and season. Some frequencies only bounce off the troposphere or ionosphere under unique conditions. Each frequency also has specific length requirements around the size of the antenna and the optimal height to place that antenna. This is all a balancing act between your personal requirements and technical requirements. This balancing act will require testing and tinkering. General rules of distance, buyers beware. VHF, UHF, HAM, and FRS, GMRS are line of sight. This means that the curve of the earth gets in the way of the signal. The higher two antennas are the greater the distance over which they can be used for communications. When both antennas are about six feet off the ground and no object interference exists, you can expect a maximum of about six miles distance under theoretically optimal conditions and with enough power on both radios to get a signal through the background noise. Note that this isn't always the case, and often VHF and UF, UHF ham radios and sometimes GMRS use repeaters that have antennas 100 or more feet above the ground. With a repeater like this, line of sight is between your radio and the tower. Conversations between people 20 or 30 miles apart are also common using a repeater if it is in between them. FRS does not allow for repeaters or extended antennas. MERS allows for limited antenna deployments and GMRS repeaters are rare. What line of sight calculations mean? 
Calculating the line of sight doesn't mean that two points can actually talk. I'm putting the basic formula below, but remember this. Just because you can draw a straight line between two points does not mean you didn't run out of ink along the way. Don't think of these equations in terms of how far you can talk. Think of them in terms of knowing at what point it's impossible to talk past. Personally, I have a D-star repeater within line of sight, but near the edge. Digital, like D-star, is funny. It compresses the bandwidth, so in theory it should go further than standard FM, but that connection needs to be consistent. There's probably a bunch of trees that cause me to drop in and out, or I just don't have enough power to maintain a connection, because I can hardly be heard on that repeater. I can connect to different FM-only repeaters at near the same distance without issue. The basic formula for line of sight. The basic formula to get the theoretical line of sight is 1.23 times square root of height in feet of antenna 1 plus 1.23 times square root of height in feet of antenna 2 equals line of sight in nautical miles. To get a general idea of how far two handheld radios can talk, VHF or UHF, it would be 1.23 times 2.449 plus 1.23 times 2.449 equals, equals 6.025 nautical miles or about 6.933 standard miles. The 1.23 is related to the radius of the earth and there are variations in this value depending on the terrain. Personally, I replace the 1.23 with 1 in that equation. The math is faster and range would be more realistic for a handheld or a low power radio. For a simple way to calculate the distance when you know the height of two antennas and there are no major obstacles between them, try using this website link. Note that they do some rounding and wishful thinking. The general distance of CB radios. CB or 10.6 meter radios use ground waves and sometimes sky wave propagation. This means that the curve of the earth gets in the way, like with VHF or UHF, but the radio wave starts to bend with the earth. You might get less than 3.5 miles and you might get 10 miles out of it. The physical local characteristics of Earth impacts distance. There are times that temperature differences in atmospheric layers and the number of sunspots allow for great distances by bouncing the signal back and forth between the Earth and ionosphere or troposphere. General distances of HF radios. HF radios use ground waves and sometimes sky wave propagation. As you increase in wavelength and decrease in megahertz of a frequency, the Earth has more of an impact on the curve of the radio wave and ground wave distance increases for most bands. Unfortunately, along with this increase in distance, there is an increase in the, di in the size and height of your antenna. Keep in mind that there is also almost always a gap between where the ground wave ends and where the ionospheric bounced wave comes back to Earth. This dead zone also varies in length depending on numerous conditions. See dead zone below. Purchasing communication devices. When purchasing new electronics, look for the following features. Waterproofing. Regardless of a product statement that it is waterproof, have alternate layers for protection. Seals fail for all kinds of reasons. Make sure you can keep your electronics dry. Note that most electronics are not waterproof, but most have an IP rating on the device. Look for the IP rating and it will tell you impact, water, and dust resistance. See the following link for a description. 
Shock and impact resistance. Similar to waterproofing, make sure you can protect your equipment from physical damage. The IP rating of a device also covers what kind of impact a device can withstand. Have a way to power and charge the device. Don't rely on just one method of powering and charging a device. Many portable devices use a USB charger plugged into an AC wall outlet. If your device uses this, make sure to also have a cigarette lighter charger adapter or a car DC adapter for charging. Some devices can also run directly off an automobile DC current. Know if yours can. If your device has a special battery, see if there are options for using common batteries in an, in an emergency. Devices that require more amperage often run off of AC to DC converters or inverters power supply. These devices can usually run directly off of a 12 volt DC battery, such as a car battery. If yours can, make sure you can charge, charge the battery when there is a power outage. Solar panels can, can and often are plugged into 12 volt DC batteries. Quality solar chargers have diodes that prevent the battery from draining back into the solar panel when the sun goes down. This topic is beyond the scope of this article. When integrating your electronics with others, pay attention to bands, frequencies, and modulation. Radios that are stronger than FRS and CB are commonly referred to by, a band, by the bands they support. A band is a range of like frequencies represented in the general wavelength. For instance, a CB radio operates around 26 MHz. To get the band, just divide 300 by 26 and you end up with 11.5 which is usually rounded down to the whole number, 11 meter band. For a 144 MHz radio, the band is 2 meters. Modulation can be described as the mode in which that wavelength is sent out and received. Think FM versus AM on your car radio. Bands are usually grouped in three types of radios, VHF, UHF, HF or 50 MHz, and specialized combination including single band radios. A 10 meter radio is a common single band radio. When looking at getting an advanced radio, it is very important to pay attention to the modulation that the radio supports. For an FRS radio, you have less to be concerned about because there are fewer options available to the customer. However, when looking for an HF 6 meter or 10 ham radio, there are a lot of options. AM, SSB, CW, and even FM is used on 10 and 6 meter repeaters. Pay attention to what is used in your area. You can go online and look up local ham radio clubs. Often they will list local repeaters and the options those repeaters support. Knowing what is used actively in your area will help when it comes to shorter range. 70 centimeters, 2 meters, 6 meters, 10 meters repeaters along with supported digital modes such as DMR, Echolink, and D-Star. Note, there are a number of 70 centimeter, 2 meters, 6 meter, 10 meter combination radios out there. Almost all of them are FM only and most communications on 6 meter and 10 meter use AM or SSB only. In addition, the frequency range for connecting to a 10 meter repeater is outside of the tech license range. Common and non-FCC license dependent communications. The simplest way to set up communications between two or more people is by using non-licensed radio communications. As the title suggests, these do not require special licensing by the FCC. However, the radio technologies that do not require licenses are the ones that are limited in power and range. The greatest amount of flexibility and range around radio-based communications is covered in the FCC license-dependent communication section below.
Also, remember that just because you may already have a ham radio license doesn't mean these non-licensed devices should be ignored. Since most people will have access to them, they may actually end up being extremely useful. Tomorrow we'll look at some of these devices. Well, good thing for you. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. If you're interested in reading all the rest of the, uh, this article, like I said, there's five parts. And uh, it gets into a whole bunch of other information. Some of it is not as technical uh, as, uh, as this. You know, some of it's you know, starting out with talking about texting and, and those kinds of things. Uh, I think a lot of the times when we talk about communications in the, in, the, you know, in the preparedness community, we automatically go to ham radio, which uh, I think is very valuable. And you should know a little bit about it, maybe even have a device. And uh, if you can, get your license. Uh, but, you know, there's other means of communication out there. And I, I do like what this article said at the very end, that there's going to be people out here with, uh, with uh, you know, the, the basic radios. And so you might be able to, you know, create some kind of network there with uh, the basic radios. And they do work pretty well. I mean, I remember we went skiing one year and uh, we were on top of the mountain. We were in Angel Fire, New Mexico, and we were on top of the mountain communicating with our family members who were down below in, in the cabin. And so, uh, you know, they did uh, reach a, a long way there. So, um, and that's with, you know, like snowy conditions and things like that. So you definitely need to be thinking about how you can include uh, communications or you know, in, into your preparedness and uh, thinking about what you need to do in, in that respect. Because uh, if there really was uh, a poop at the fan scenario, you would want to get as much information as possible. And so uh, good stuff to consider here. All right, that's at survivalblog.com. And like, like I said, there's links and then the, the rest of the articles you can go check out. And then comments as well. All right, our next article comes to us from besurvival.com. And, uh, you know, I'm reading this because undoubtedly there's always every winter there is a story of someone who gets stuck somewhere and uh, you know it's like a survival situation uh, because they get stuck in the snow and uh, you know they have to survive in, in one way or the other and a lot of the times it was not planned uh, you know we've had uh, we I, I remember writing an article uh, on a news story of, about an older uh, like a grandmother type a woman who got who made a wrong turn and got stuck in the snow and spent days you know, in, in her car, uh, in the snow, she did, thankfully she did not try to walk out. She had a lot of clothes in her car. I'm remembering it now. Me, if I, if I can find it, I'll link to it on uh, the show notes, but she found, uh, or she had a lot of clothes that she was going to be given away to, to goodwill, you know? And so she, uh, basically got underneath these clothes and, and made herself, you know, this little cocoon. Uh, and she, that's how she stayed warm. And she had some, some little snacks in there uh, in in the uh, in the car, so she uh, didn't go. You know, she didn't. Uh, she wasn't starving or anything. But uh, you know, it, it still it could have turned out really really bad. The family was very worried uh, because they didn't. She didn't show up where she was supposed to, and they didn't know where she was at. And she was on this rural road where she was stuck. You know, and so uh, you have that, and then you have other people who like um, um, get stuck. You know, coming home from work in a blizzard. And for whatever reason, they get stuck in their vehicles and, uh, you know, they have to either survive in their vehicles or they have to walk out and they're usually not prepared for it. They don't have the, the clothes. They don't have those kinds of things for a blizzard, you know. And, uh, you know, what would you do in those kinds of situations? 
And so uh, I, for those of you that are up north, I mean, in Texas, I don't have to deal with this, but I know that there's, uh, you know, readers of Prepper website and listeners to the podcast from all over the place and especially from up north. And I think it's just smart if you are up north and you are in situations where it's snowing and the uh, weather can change really quickly and, uh, you know, you can uh, find yourself, uh, you know, in, in a situation where it's very, very cold. I think it's smart to have a, uh, an emergency kit. Uh, in your in your vehicle for winter. And so I'm going to go ahead and read this one. It's not a very long one. I'm going to come back and talk about one item that I would add uh, specifically, maybe uh, a little bit of uh, something that I would do a little differently here as well. So again, uh, from bsurvival.com, uh, the title of the article is Get Your Car Emergency Kit Ready for the Winter. Um, winter and cold weather is fast approaching. Some regions have already seen snow. And towards the end of the week, we have another shot of cold air coming down from Canada, bringing in more snow for some. With the cold air on the way, it is a good time to ensure you have all you need in your winter car emergency kit. You will want to be sure you have a good way to keep your family safe and warm when on the road during the winter season. Whether you just break down on the side of the road, get stuck on an icy road, or God forbid, have an accident, you will want to have these items nearby in your car emergency kit. So items to add to your winter car survival kit. Water. Store water in your trunk. Use smaller bottles instead of larger gallon ones since they defrost quicker. Food. Store some non-perishable food in your car emergency kit. Things like nuts, canned fruit, energy bars, and hard candy will give you energy and sugar if you are diabetic. A multi-tool. A good multi-tool will come in handy if you need to cut up a seatbelt or cut small limbs for a fire. It can also help open canned food if needed. A flashlight. Keep a good flashlight and extra batteries in your kit. Even those, even though we like rechargeable lithium-ion batteries, we do not recommend them for your car emergency kit. It is better to have a good LED flashlight with extra batteries in this case. You don't want to get stuck in a situation where you won't have a way to have some light. Mylar emergency blankets. Make sure you have plenty of good thick emergency mylar thermal blankets. These blankets are perfect for conserving body heat in emergency survival situations. These help prevent hypothermia or shock and keep yourself and your family warm and safe, so they are important for your emergency. A sleeping bag. If you want, you can add a good sleeping bag or a thick blanket to your kit. I wouldn't recommend adding more than one or two because it will take up so much room. But paired with the Mylar Thermal Blanket, it makes you even warmer. A windproof or waterproof matches. Another item that is important is waterproof and windproof matches. These work no matter what conditions. They will even work after being submerged in water. So no matter what conditions, these will light. A lighter. I also like to bring a lighter as well. You can never have enough ways to start fires in a survival situation in my opinion. And they don't take up too much space either. DIY Lint Fire Starters I always like to keep some of the DIY Lint Fire Starters in my car as well. These will light up easily. That, that way you will have a nice way to start a fire hopefully. And there are links to some of these, uh, these items like DIY lighter or Lint Fire Starters and the waterproof matches. First aid kit. Uh, first, aid, first aid kits are important as well. Make sure it's fully stocked. You never know when you may need it. Cell phone and charger. You need to always bring a cell phone with you and a car or solar charger for it. Even if you don't have a cell phone, you can get a prepaid phone for a decent price and pay a little for a phone card. This will give you a way to contact someone if you need help. Hand warmers. 
Hand warmers will be a big comfort if you are outside your car for a long period of time. Gloves. Gloves are also important to keep in your kit. If you find yourself outside for an extended period of time, you will be glad you had a good insulated pair of gloves in your kit. Keep a pair for each family member in your kit. A form of entertainment. I also like to add entertainment to my car emergency kit. In emergencies, you get stressed and time seems to slow down when you are bored. Add something to keep yourself and your family entertained for a while so you can relax. It will make time go by quicker and the kids won't be bored so it's a win-win. Tools. Tools such as a compact shovel, a tow rope, jumper cables, and basic toolkit is good to have in your trunk in case your vehicle breaks down. And lastly, salt or kitty litter. Rock salt and or kitty litter provides traction if you get stuck on an icy patch. Very handy to have as well. During or driving during the winter poses challenges. Be prepared by making this car emergency kit if you don't already have one. There's a couple of uh, comments here, and especially the, the kitty litter sand aspect of it, uh, you know, saying that uh, this, this very, helped them greatly get out of situations where their vehicles were stuck. And so, uh, you know, having a, you know, one of those buckets of uh, kitty litter, uh, it, it's not very expensive at all, and uh, you can, uh, it would be a lifesaver if you needed to get out if you were stuck. All right, so um, last week we talked a little bit. Someone asked me a question uh, about what uh, what they would do with um, wh what they would do with uh, heat in in Texas. They were in Texas and and they had well, food and water and you know what what would they do in order to keep those in their in their car kits? And my recommendation was go ahead and you have your car kit and you have that, but because it's so hot here in Texas. You want to go ahead and take that food and water with you and put it in a separate little bag, you know, like maybe a little backpack or, or something that, that comes in and out of the car with you because keeping uh, bottled water and food in, the, in a hot car, uh, especially in Texas when, when the sun is out even, you know, 100 degrees, it's going to be a lot, lot harder, hotter inside the vehicles. I'm going to say the same thing for... Uh, winter time as well and not because uh, you know food I think might be would be okay there right um, but water if you are in freezing temperatures uh, I don't know if I would want a lot of water uh, you know in my vehicle to where I couldn't uh, if I needed it I wouldn't be able to drink it because it was solid frozen you know frozen solid and so you might want to have a backpack where you have some bottles of water that go with you uh, inside and, and you might want to have some that stay in the car. Um, you, you, you never know. You might be able to insulate them with, uh, with some blankets or something like that so they don't completely freeze. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how that works uh, for you guys out there, up there north. In the north, uh, I don't know how bad it would get. And then I don't know if they would bust, uh, you know, because of the you know, bottles of water uh, as they expand with, uh, with uh, being frozen. So maybe someone can uh, share a little bit of information with me there on that, and uh, maybe we can pass that along. So I would, like I said, I think food would be okay. Um, I think water, I would be taking water with me in a little backpack, you know, taking it in and out of the, the vehicle if, if you were in, in a situation where it was freezing temperatures, right? All right, the other thing is I don't know if I would leave my uh, flashlight and batteries in there as well because you don't want your batteries to get cold because they won't work as well. Uh, the same thing with the, the phone and uh, the phone charger. Um, those are things that you probably would want to keep 
inside of that that little backpack that I'm talking about, you know. Uh, and you know, guys, there, you don't need to go to Amazon and spend a whole lot of money. If you have a resale shop, you have a Goodwill, or you have something, I have found some really great backpacks. Very sturdy, very well-made, name-brand backpacks for three or four dollars at uh, at Goodwill before. And so uh, go, you know, you can go and you can get get a, a small little backpack, maybe clean it up, and uh, you're good to go. So you're able to throw, you know, about five or six bottles of water in there. You're able to throw your flashlight and your batteries in there, and uh, maybe your phone charger in there, so that uh, they stay. Uh, so they stay uh, warm or they, so they don't freeze and you're able to use it when you need it. So uh, that's my little bit, uh, my little bits of advice there going along with the winter car kit, things that I've read in the past. Oh, one thing, one other thing that I wanted to talk about. It'd be very easy to make a little heater uh, that you can add to your, to your vehicle, uh, to your car kit. And uh, basically, and I've talked about this before in the past, but they make the little, the, the smaller paint size cans. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can get them at Home Depot and uh, they're, they're, they're just empty, right? You can buy them that way. And they even have a lid. They come with a lid. But uh, you can stuff, uh, a, this is like an old Boy Scout thing we used to do. You stuff an old, um, uh, you, or, you, not an old, but a roll of toilet paper. You take out the core and you smush it and you force it in this little, and I want to say it's like a quart size uh, paint can. And so you force that a toilet, roll of toilet paper in there and then you have uh, rubbing alcohol and you throw that. Uh, when we were in Boy Scouts, we would use, uh, I think they would use kerosene. And that would last for forever, right? I mean, uh, they kept those in like number 10 cans or you know, coffee cans, uh, you know, all over the place at campsites, Boy Scout campsites and things like that. But uh, you can use rubbing alcohol. You put rubbing alcohol down there and let it soak up and then you can uh, light it and uh, burn it for a little while and kind of heat up the, it would heat up a, a car or, you know, a van or a truck very, very quickly. Now, a couple of things to consider there. You would have to crack windows. So, uh, you know, hopefully you would have your, uh, your power. So you would have to crack the windows because you need to have, you know, um, a way to, to get the, the fumes out. Uh, and then also, uh, you would have to have, at least for me, I would want something to put this can on. I wouldn't want to directly put it like on my console or, or anything like that. I would probably want to have some kind of plate. Or uh, you know so, something along those lines that I could set down, and you would have to be terrible, terribly careful with this situation, so that uh, uh, you know, so that no one, uh, no one tumps it over. Uh, so, but anyway, you can keep it in there. Uh, you just got to be very, very careful. And so I know that I've I've seen uh, articles and videos on that posted in the past. Uh, and I have one of those that I have made for myself, just uh, I guess remembering the old Boy Scout days because I'm not worried about my vehicle. You know, I'm not worried about freezing down here in Houston. But that might be something that you can do because you can put it all to, you know, you, you can put the roll of toilet paper in the in the can, in the paint can, and uh, you can just leave it. Um, you know, you, you need a lid too. So if you, you use an old coffee can, a metal can, you need to have a way to turn off the fire. And so that's why I'm saying this paint can from like Home Depot. Uh, like I said, it's it's an unused, you know, completely like silver, chrome, whatever you want color. And uh, you just drop the the toilet paper in there. You can put the lid on there. And uh, so if you ever needed to start it, you would have the alcohol and you'd pour the alcohol in there and let it soak and uh, and use it that way. But then you'd have the lid to turn it off. 
So, uh, you know, hopefully that's that might be something that you would consider as well. Definitely an easy way to uh, to start a fire. Uh, even if you weren't able to be in your vehicle and you needed to, to start a fire, you could get this going and use that so where you're not using all your, your matches and all your lighters and stuff like that. Maybe it might be a little easier to get a fire going if you had something like that uh, to, to work from. So uh, that's uh, get your car emergency kit ready for the winter over at bsurvival.com. Uh, like I said, there's a couple of comments here that you're going to be interested, interested in and links in the article that you could uh, go check out. And like always, I will link to all these articles uh, in the show notes and you can go check those out. Hey, so uh, that's it for episode 181. Thanks so much for being a part of this podcast. If you get a chance, I'd love for you to come over to uh, episode 181 and drop me a line. Uh, You can also hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I always love hearing from listeners out there. All right, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.